Hi everyone, in this week's episode we're going to be talking about some additional tyre changes and some tyre rule reconfiguration due to insane track conditions in Qatar, uh, health concerns from the heat and uh, obviously crowning a world champion. Let's get this started. So yes, hello everyone. Uh, we have plenty to get into. It was an action-packed weekend this weekend with it being a sprint weekend. So I think the easiest place to start with all of this is probably going to be tyre rules and tyre changes and so on. Um, so Chris, do you want to run us through what was changed this week? Yeah, hi, I'm Chris. Stu's also here. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what a weird weekend. I don't think F1 sort of covered itself in glory, did it, this weekend? Um, I, yeah. I mean, ironically, it meant for a better race, in my opinion, but that's just me. <laughs> it did and it didn't. It was a different race. Um, I really didn't enjoy I I, I got to disagree. I don't think it was a great race at all. I think it was nigh, nigh impossible to keep track of because the graphics are just not equipped for this style of racing like you need to know who's pitted who hasn't pitted what's going on throughout the field and because obviously you can't you didn't because we all knew there were only they were limited on laps but no one quite knew exactly unless you had like reams of data in front of you the person the average person at home probably couldn't tell how many laps a particular person had done on a particular set of tyres at any particular let's, time. Let's so take that bit of it out of the follow. equation, though. Let's take the let's take the graphics out of the equation. Imagine we have graphics for it. The racing was better. Yeah, if we had... If, the race if, was better. If Formula 1 was equipped for this kind of racing, then yes, I would agree with you. But I think... I don't think that... Yeah. You do want to see, yeah, I agree with you that you do want to see drivers pushing from start to finish. And I think that that is the one cool aspect of it that we got. But I think the way it sort of, the way we got to that and the way it was presented on screen was an absolute, complete and utter failure. I think, I think my problem with it as well was that the, the strategy of the race boiled down to, are they going to pit on lap? 16 17 or 18 like that was it that was the end of the strategy because they were mandated to 18 laps per tire set for reasons we'll get into um yeah i, I do agree that seeing proper flat out racing was a kind of nice change and it, it, it was more like an indycar or a WEC race it was like yeah flat out sprints um and I will say, you know, we have a go at Crofty a lot. I don't know if you guys watched an F1 TV or Sky, but I thought Crofty and Kroon Chandok did a very good job of presenting kind of what was going on in the race with very little information to go on. Yeah, um, the, the F1 TV team, I would say, did the same. Um, I mean, admittedly, there's three of them because they've got um, both David Coulthard and... Um, uh, Ex Renault man, Jolian? Joe Palmer. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, they got both of them this weekend. So some weekends it's one or the other. Other weekends like this, it's both. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I think they did a pretty good weekend. job, probably. Yeah. So I guess to kind of get into what happened, essentially, it all came from Pirelli finding 
signs of damage to the tires after FP1, which of course was the only practice session of the weekend, which sort of compounded the issue, I suppose. Um, they said they could see the beginning of the sidewall separating from both the surface, the actual compound, and the kind of carcass of the tyre, which obviously is really bad news bears. Yeah, not good. Not good. Especially on a weekend where we've basically found, it's not official yet, but we've basically found out Pirelli are getting a new contract for the next three or four yeah. seasons of F1. <laughs> Oh, really? I feel like they were maybe going to announce that this weekend and sort of decided to uh, back off yeah. on that announcement yeah. <laughs> let, under let the circumstances. on that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it sort of, it felt a bit like Indianapolis, what was it, 2005, was it? The infamous race where all but yeah. six cars yeah. didn't take part in the race. I mean, at least F1 slash the FIA found solutions this time um that still their race go ahead yeah well they I had think... to because everyone was on the same tire so there wasn't going to be i think that was going in their favor yeah. quite a lot like if they didn't find a solution then there's no race there's no race Whereas yeah. before yeah. in indy 2005 like you had a tight you were in the middle of a tire war and you had yeah. you know conflicting tire companies wanting to show off their product and get one over on their competitor by saying, well, yeah, look, exactly. our tires work. These guys' tires don't work. Yeah. Um, so none of that this time, just a set of tires that didn't work <laughs> and <laughs> concessions had to be made and rules had to be changed on the fly as per usual, which is just not what you want to see in a sport of this level. Yeah. Well, first of all, they changed the track. They um, made the track... Um, narrower at two corners by using paint to make the curves wider yeah. which was just a bit dumb and then they gave the drivers 10 minutes to sort of reacquaint with the corners now they are basically different corners with yeah. different entry speeds and that was bizarre in itself and then yeah we had this 18 laps per tire limit imposed which basically meant a every driver was doing quality laps for the whole race, which presents its own problem, which we'll get into. And it also basically mandated three stops per driver. Um, and I mean, so we just, got... Just a, sorry, a quick question, because I, I, I was kind of busy for a lot of the weekend and I didn't see a lot of this. So did they mandate that everyone had to make three stops or was it just the, no, no. It was was it just the distance on the tyre? No tyre could do more than 18 hot laps is how they put it right yeah okay um so that meant that if you had a tire that you'd use in practice or qualifying and put 10 laps on at some you point you could only do eight on it yeah. um which is where include... some of the strategy variants came in because not everyone had three sets of brand new spanking tires to go 18 laps on each time yeah which is why it was so confusing because you didn't mm -hmm. know how many laps someone was going to have on a set of tires like whether and as well the other thing was like the the soft tire was good for like three laps so, <laughs> so no, yeah question then so i know Stu, i know you, like one of your complaints about this whole thing was the graphics at no point did you get the graphics informing you um the latest that a particular car could pit 
They did it like I was once getting or them, twice. Watch, watching them throughout through F1 TV, I saw them, I feel like, quite a few times of um, Verstappen has to pit no later than 17. Russell has to pit by this lap. Uh, and well, that's they were, fine, but that, I mean, but that's, like, that's whatever no was good, relevant at the time, essentially. I'm not saying I'm not saying that, it was enough, but we have to remember that this is a directive that they've put in for safety's reasons four hours before the race. Well, I think I know, that yeah, which is considering yeah, the situation, I think that it's a bit harsh saying that it was a complete mess because they did what they could with them. Like they they they, well, they put something in place. They did, but they should never have been there in the first place. That's that's why it's a complete Yeah, that's the thing. They did their best in a situation that should never have arisen. Like this is the pinnacle of motorsport. Like the tires ought to be able to take the the hammer that they get. They 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 run these tires week in, week out, and they've managed to develop a tire that's no good in Qatar for reasons that no one understands. Well no one outside of Formula One seems to understand. I think it feels like a double-pronged problem. A, it's another problem with these Pirelli tyres, and B, it's a circuit that last time they were there, they had tyre failures. At the time, I said because of curb problems. There still seem to be curb problems there now. They've resurfaced it, and basically F1 is the first series that's run on it on a resurfaced track, so it's no wonder they were sliding all over the place in FP1. And... It just, it kind of is a perfect storm of just Neglect. all the wrong, yeah. Mm. Like they've not bothered to do the due diligence before running. It doesn't feel like it at all. Circuit. That's what it feels like to me, which to me is a failure. Like, I think the problem I, look, is, I, I the problem is held for, with the look, FIA can, though. Let me just like, say, per, I can Pirelli. forgive them for not having the graphics in place for something like this in mitigated circumstances. That's fine. I'm saying, what I'm saying about that is like, if this was something that was going to be, you know, going forward was going to be a thing that was going to continue to happen. You're going to have a tire that lasts that, you, and you're going to limit, you know, the number of laps someone can do on a tire, and you're going to have all these pit stops. Then you you kind of need to know. I mean, I, you know, they weren't even showing the graphic. This is one of those races where you really need to see the graphic showing you how many times a driver had pitted. And I think I saw that like twice the whole time down the down the timing tower. Mm-hmm. And you really need to see that a lot more. You need you. I would go as far as to say for races like this, you need a little dot marker or something or a little tire marker. Like it could be just a colored, you know, a, a white, red or yellow dot to say what tyre a driver has pitted onto and how many pit stops they've done. So they've got, you know, they might have one red dot and one yellow dot to say they've pitted twice mm-hmm. on the, each pit stop. You know, the colour represents what what tyre they've picked up. At least then you can keep track of who's pitted and, like, you know, based on where they are in the timing tower, you understand that where they are in that point of the race because when you're trying to keep track of, you know, this season, 20 drivers, hopefully next season, 22 drivers, or sometime soon, 22 drivers. That's a whole other episode, I guess. <laughs> um, you need to you need to have this information at your fingertips in order to make sense of what you're seeing on screen because there just wasn't enough data on screen for you to properly follow what was happening. Yeah, it it just felt... It didn't feel like a normal F1 race, which... No at times can be good and can be fun and different. And I think the fact that there was some good racing helped because I kind of feared it would be a procession in that everybody was going to be on exactly the same pit strategy 
it kind of killed any chance of undercuts. But, you know, there was a decent race out of it. The, the other problem that kind of the tyre issue compounded was the fact that it was, what, 30, 35 degrees at night. Yeah. And, like, all the drivers were just could barely physically do it. And yeah, I, I have never seen that many drivers at the end of a race look that shattered. They Charles Leclerc said it's the hardest race we've ever had to do, and if any driver tells you any different, they're lying, basically. It's, it's um, interesting as well when you compare that to um, Singapore, because usually Singapore's got those kind of connections with it because it's hot there and it's very physical and it's obviously long as well. Like Singapore's mm-hmm. usually a long race because of how slow the circuit is in comparison to other circuits to get the distance done. So yeah, for the vast majority of the grid who have done multiple races in Singapore, both this year's layout and old one to be saying this is was more physically demanding is yeah quite eye opening, I would say, when you think about it like that. I think the problem a big part of the problem is that Singapore has a lot of slow corners and it's a race of tyre saving, whereas because of this tyre issue, they were, as we've said, basically doing quality laps for the whole race and the circuit Mm. is mostly fast and medium corners. And, you know, loads of drivers were saying that their their vision was just like blurring towards the end of the race and they were near blacking out. Like, I mean, they've got a cute hyperfermia. That's what they think. Yeah, like Lance Stroll said... um, it's no wonder he had so many track limit violations because going in some of the fast corners, he basically couldn't see where the track limits were because his vision was struggling. I mean, we had Sargent who admittedly had said he had kind of had some flu-like symptoms before the race. He ended up retiring after 40 laps. Ocon threw up inside his helmet. We saw Albon having to be helped out of his car and going to the medical centre. I mean, Stroll they're the ones... Stroll walked up that... to an ambulance. Stroll yeah. literally walked up to an ambulance and yeah. asked them for help. And as soon as he got out of the car, he got he somehow got himself out of the car. It looked like such a struggle. Honestly, I, I've never seen anything like it. It looked really, really, really dangerous to me. Yeah, it was very dangerous. Like, I mean, I felt so sorry for Sergeant. Like, the guy was trying so hard to keep going, especially with the pressure he's under. Like, And, you know, you've got to applaud Williams for the way they handled that kind of thing because yeah you could tell the guy really wanted to keep going but yeah it was just becoming dangerous yeah Yeah. it's but i think in 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 any case you know whoever it is like i think if you're if you're feeling that way and your and your your body is just telling you no stop it and you're in a car that's capable of the speeds through corners that these are then it's probably safest course of action is to uh absolutely get yourself into the pits and get out of that car because that yeah it could have and the thing is right they've dodged a bit of a bullet here because this could have gone so so much worse when Lance Stroll saying he's blacking out during the high speed corners Mm. all it takes is for that you know to go one corner too far and full blackout and then suddenly you're doing 200 miles an hour in a Formula One car steaming towards the barriers with nothing to stop no foot on the brake you know like you're at you're unconscious and that is just a terrifying thought yeah it really is like so some something has to change f1 can't go back to this track with this set of circumstances again like mm. they need to fix the curbs they need to fix the track surface they need to run the race either right at the start or right at the end of the season when the temperatures are, are lower it's just, just too dangerous. Yeah, like you don't want to. You want to see drivers 
you know, being pushed and going to their limits, but this was just too much. Nobody wants to see drivers struggling that much. No. Yeah, weird one. And then among all of it, I mean, personally, I I would say the solution is not go to this track because I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, Maybe tyres that don't disintegrate that could be a solution yeah that like the tires need fixing have other series running on tracks before f1 gets there might be a good idea Mm. i mean f2 scheduled to go there next year and they'd be racing during the day which sounds like an abysmal idea well it gets more humid it actually gets more humid towards the evening there they were saying so like in the oh, daytime, really? it's actually not so bad because there's it's it's, like it's a dry heat. heat. Whereas when it's that humid, you just can't escape the heat. Even if when you're going yeah. fast, it's still hot. Even when you get out of the car and you're not sort of in that hot box anymore of a Formula One car, mm-hmm. fifty odd degrees in the in the cockpit, probably a lot more than that this weekend. You get out and you're still roasting. You just can't cool down, and that's why we saw the problems with them when they were getting out. Once they're out of the yeah. car, they're all lying down because they're just desperately trying to cool down. Yeah, I mean, I saw Alex Brundle pointed out that WEC and a lot of other race series actually have temperature sensors inside the helmets, and if they get over a certain temperature, they have to bring the cars in and do something about it. And if F1 wants to continue to, let's face it, have races in the desert, like they're going to need to think of things like that to try and mitigate these things. I guess like they've never really had to do it before because they're open cockpit cars. So you you would think that there's a big Mm. area there for heat to escape. It's not as much of an oven Mm. as what maybe say a a GT3 car or a... uh, or a prototype, um, you know, endurance car would be, but yeah, I think like given it's probably time to to have some sort of given the amount of monitoring they do on those cars and and the, yeah. you know, the, the drivers have heart monitors on them and all sorts. You'd think yeah. there'd be some sort of temperature monitoring going on as well, especially yeah. given how hot they are. I, I would yeah. not be surprised if that if next season, as a result, they did bring some sort of rule in like that, but. I mean, it must. It's, you know, it's the same for all the drivers. So if, if it happens to one of them, surely it's going to happen to all of them. They'll all have, they'll all have to come in. And then what? Then, then your race weekend, your race is over for, for every <laughs> yeah. driver on the road because it's got too hot. But the world we're living in is a world where you know temperatures are rising, and yeah, you, you're going to you know, just look at how hot this summer's been in the UK. Well, this summer, this autumn is in the UK. Yeah, temperatures are rising. You know, people got to be kept safe in their sports. So. Yeah, I, I feel like about it. the majority of races this season have either been hot or wet, yeah. and not yeah, much no, in, in between. between. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, not let's between. not. I don't want to get too much into the climate changey stuff because people will just switch off. But but yeah, but still, it's it's a it's a reality that both F one and Pirelli need to think about at both ends of that <laughs> yeah, scale. Yeah, atmospheric conditions are different to maybe <laughs> years ago. Let's leave it at that. And among all of that. Once again, Max Verstappen has won a championship and we're talking about something else that's gone on. Like, every time he wins a championship, it's not under normal circumstances, is it? Um, Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about a bunch of other stuff, but he won a championship on a Saturday. 
of all things, didn't win the race that he won the championship as well, which is really funny given the season he's had. Yeah. Um, well, didn't didn't win the didn't win the championship in the race that Formula One would probably have liked him to yes. win the championship in as well, which is hilarious. Um, but he did. Um, in the process, he's also broken Vettel's record for most laps led in the season. Um, he's as good as one uh, taking the record for the biggest winning margin. Um, Vettel had that record as well. He of one hundred and fifty five points, and Max is already. 200 points ahead of Checo. So that's basically wow. a done deal as well. Um, and there's a lot more than 200. There's way more than... T- there must five be five races left. How many? Five, five, five races, races left. left. And there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a sprint or two. At, at least, least sprint one sprint, two, yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. points for fastest laps as well. So. That, that yeah. could be 300 by the end of the season, the way yeah. things are currently going. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we've we've spent half the season talking about how good Max Verstappen is, I don't think, because then point laboring that other than to say what an unbelievable championship yeah. run this is unbelievable yeah. unbelievable drive un- unbelievable drives plural leading up to this championship um unbelievable car so you know hats off to red bull for making an absolute weapon of a car yeah and um, whatever yeah. whatever your opinion is of red bull i think they've it's pretty obvious they've absolutely just killed it with this car it's such a good car yeah. Yep. Um, On that note, I highly recommend listening to the Beyond the Grid episode with Adrian Newey. Really interesting hearing him talk about, you know, the process and where this car came this. from. After listening to this, obviously. <laughs> yeah, don't leave yet. Um, Max kind of had to push a bit for this win, though. Like, it wasn't the dominance we've seen a lot of other tracks. And because McLaren continue to just kind of get quicker and quicker like the season mclaren's had just continues to be baffling how much they've turned it around oh man they were Um, like in in bahrain they were nowhere they looked like i remember saying like in those first couple of races if i was at mclaren i'd be really really worried right now and my goodness the way they've turned it around i mean that's basically easily the second fastest car now and yeah, not that for sure. far behind, well, at times ahead of the Red Bull. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go in the next few races. But yeah, on this like perfectly flat surface, they were absolutely up there with Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, Piastri won the sprint race and there wasn't any weird circumstances around that. Like Piastri qualified fastest and was just quickest obviously max had to make his way through traffic but even when max got into second like he was closing the gap but not by much like that gap wasn't i know they were managing tires a lot in the sprint race but yeah that gap wasn't coming down massively um i'm sure in the grand prix max had a lot of pace in the bag if he needed it but even so he said he had to kind of push more than he has at other races to make sure he was far enough ahead um yeah, really. I mean, a flawless drive from Piastri in the um, sprint race. Like, obviously lost the lead to Russell, but kind of kept his head, brought it back. The only the only thing I think missing from that drive by Piastri's own admission was the uh, safety car restarts, which he admitted yeah. were all terrible. <laughs> That's one yeah. thing he definitely needs to work on. When when then again in the Grand Prix, either, to be fair. No, they didn't. Um but yeah, and then McLaren second or third in the Grand Prix as well, despite a pretty ropey qualifying session for the Grand Prix. Um, Lando was 
pretty down, I thought, for a lot of the weekend. Every time you saw him being interviewed, he was being pretty hard on himself, especially after he kind of cocked up qualifying. I think I think it's a case of knowing what the car was capable of, though. Like, they don't have their lap times deleted in um, Q3. They're fighting for pole, and on and, and, and a worst case, like, on the front row with Max and... And yeah. on the second row behind him, like they're they're right there with him if those lap times aren't deleted. And I think given where they finished in the race and just how utterly dominant they were over everybody else on the grid, they would have given Max a good run for his money had they been able to start higher up and do it from the get go. Especially um, if one of them could have jumped him off the line as well, which we've yeah. seen a few times this year. Like, yeah. The one thing that Red Bull can't do is start particularly well. So yeah, yeah it's it's the one chink in its armor, isn't it? It's yeah, it starts. But I mean, I'll, I'd take that because yeah, it's so, it's so powerful in a straight line, and so so good on the DRS that you can kind of, if that's your one weakness, then you've got more. You're more than equipped to make up for it in other areas, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. A shame Mercedes kind of were out of the picture in the Grand Prix because without getting too far ahead of ourselves, I think. Given what George showed in the Grand Prix, I think Mercedes McLaren could have been quite an interesting battle had all four of them been in there, but obviously we weren't to find out. Um, but yeah, great day for McLaren, great weekend for McLaren. That brings them within 11 points of Aston Martin now. It's a yeah. kind of a given they're going to overhaul that now. I mean, um, they also. Go on, was, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're not that far behind Ferrari. I'm not saying they will do it, but. With five races left and the kind of circuits we're going to, I would not be surprised if it gets very tight between Ferrari and McLaren by the end. That of the whole season. top of the table's really closing up, isn't it? Mm. It's yeah. the way this season's ebbed and flowed, isn't it? That's that's the thing. Like it's, it's it, there's been such performance swings among those top top sort of five teams minus Red Bull. So you know. Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren now, and Aston. And yeah. Aston have obviously tailed off somewhat. Um, unless they get, get in gear, they are, I mean, it looks almost certain they're going to lose to McLaren. Yeah. Um, Mercedes got one more upgrade coming, one more big upgrade coming next race, which could, you know, turn things around a little bit for them because they looked a little bit off the boil last few. Well, they did look off the boil at the previous couple of races. This race, they actually looked really 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 promising yeah um yeah and mclaren just absolutely killing it at the moment really 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 strong performances so it's going to be interesting these like that's the thing that i think is going to keep keep us going in this last five five races yeah um, yeah seeing how that other champ formula 1.5 championship sort of plays out yeah, second to fifth in the constructors is all very much up for grabs, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, I have to mention that McLaren set a new pit stop world record of 1.80 seconds, which beats what Red Bull did a few years ago by a couple of hundredth, which is all the more impressive when the wheels are that much bigger and heavier now, yeah. and they've still honed it to... And not only that, but they've since that Red Bull record, they've actually done taken steps to slow pit stops down. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. taken some of like the digital tools they were using to 
to to speed things up during pit stops and just made it much much more manual and when you take that into account like what an achievement yeah. that pit stop is i don't yeah. i don't think they had one slower than 2-2 during the whole race no they were every, on every, fire. every time i saw a mclaren pit stop it was about 2 seconds obviously the one slightly just... quicker and the others were marginally over that it was insane just yeah consistency more than anything yeah i think it points towards mclaren right now are looking like the team that over the next sort of the course of the next season maybe and you know over the certainly for the rest of this season they're the team that are most able to emulate the dominance that um that that red bull have shown over this yeah. season i don't think i don't yeah. think they're going to be sort of I'd like to see them catch it, catch them up by the end of the season and win a race on merit. I think they've already done it with Piastri, so maybe I've already seen what I wanted to see. I don't know. I'd like to see them win a Grand Prix on merit yeah. before yeah. the end of the season. I think That's... it's possible. I think, you know, when you look at um, Sao Paulo last season was the one that they yeah. weren't necessarily great at. So, I mean, when, when you look at the list, the only one that I've got, like let's say less confidence for them at is probably Vegas. And that's just because of the kind of circuit that it is. And we just, it's a bit of an unknown anyway. Um, like in, in the fact that we've never been there, but I think that'll be a place that's hard to, to keep up with max just purely because of the straight line speed. But yeah, yeah the, the rest, I think that they can seriously contend. Yeah. Well, it could be that Red Bull have problems at Vegas if it's as bumpy True. as what Singapore is. True. And, you know, I don't think Vegas is known for its sort of ribbon flat roads, <laughs> is it? Chris, you I mean, know not a bit all. more about Vegas they've, than I do. So. That, that applies to basically all of America. <laughs> they have, Unless you're in a national park, the road surfaces are abysmal in most places. So the bits that are being used, I've literally seen them completely rip the whole thing up and put it back down. Whether that means that it will be <laughs> palatable for an F1 car, let's say, is another matter. But I've literally seen footage of them ripping the whole thing up and putting it back down, down the strip. <laughs> so hmm. Still, like, even if they've done that, they, those roads do get a lot of hammer. So yeah. it could be, even even yeah. with that having happened, it could still be that you know they, they, they don't stay flat for very long, especially the amount of traffic going through them. So yeah. we'll see. It's going to be cold there as well, like... A night race in Vegas, it's going to be pretty chilly. Like, tyre temperatures are going to be an interesting factor there as well. Mm. But the anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so a quick chat about Sergio Perez. Um, out in Q2 again in race qualifying. Um, only made eighth in sprint qualifying. Uh, he was a DNF in the sprint. I think we can agree that that was not really any part of his fault. I think that was... Just unlucky. Wrong Racing instant, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then he managed 10th place in the Grand Prix after starting from the pit lane. Um, and that was only because Stroll got a penalty. He picked up 15 seconds worth of track limit penalties during the race. Yeah. Now, normally, I would be laying into him hard for this. But I think given the conditions were so, so difficult there for them, I think I'm amazed there weren't more drivers that i'm amazed yeah, there, there were more penalties there was a number mm -hmm. that got into 
10 seconds plus, wasn't there? There was, there was at least three of them that managed 10 seconds plus in penalties. I think so, yeah. It was so. 50, there were 51 track limit violations total during the race. Compared yeah. to 83, I think, in Austria. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it would be harsh to lay into him too much on that particular thing. But it does, it does feel like the public support of him is waning a bit. And having been convinced he was still going to be in that car next year, no problem. I'm getting less and less convinced race on race now. I mm. think he seems Ricardo is lost. a shoe in at Red Bull and they'll yeah. keep Lawson in the Alpha Tauri. I'm almost certain that if they don't do it this season, they'll do it for the start yeah, of next season. I, I, it comes back to when we talked about it last time. Like if if Hamilton gets past him, he's a goner. I don't think yeah. that I don't think that like the the car that he's in and the performance it's capable of and where Mercedes have been up and down this season and, and never really found like true consistent form if Hamilton finishes ahead of him Perez is gone I'd, I'll say it now but I think that he's only he's only saving grace to be in that seat next year is to hold on to that second place but the form mm-hmm. is in I just I don't see it like the, la- the last Ricardo... time he was anywhere near the podium was Monza and then it, since then he's barely scored yeah. points and Ricardo breaking his hand could end up being the worst thing that's ever happened to Sergio Perez. Yeah, <laughs> some, yeah. Of, some of the re- some of the rhetoric coming out of out of Red Bull this weekend as well. Christine Horner saying that they need to go back to basics, they need mm-hmm. to do a reset. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff, all the all the kinds of things that you don't want to hear when you're a driver in the top team. You know, so yeah, that some of the sounds coming from that team now are slowly beginning to sound a lot yeah. like. He's he's going to get the boot soon. His basics, what Christian Horner calls Alpha Terry. <laughs> Back to basics. <laughs> um, Hamilton sort of did Perez a bit of a favour by crashing himself out of the Grand Prix because otherwise that gap between second worse. and third could have yeah. come down massively. It'd be single digits, wouldn't it, if he'd have finished in, up, there, up there, second place, I think. Quite or possibly, very, yeah. Very close to, at least. Anyway, he'd have broke the 200 would, mark, which have been been getting Perez that sure. is 220-something. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an interesting battle, I think, going into the end of the season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Hamilton, there's there's plenty Perez. plenty still to be... Uh, be looking for the rest of the season, which is nice at least. The the irony is it's not a direct battle on track, I think. Like No. The 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 battle for Hamilton is just with whoever he's around at the time, like his teammate and the McLarens. And for Perez, the battle is to somehow stay in the points by the end of a race. Yeah. It's like And it is literally like it's staying weird. in the points as well. Yeah. That's the, it's not like he's just a bit slow and he's not very close to he's not as close in second as he should be. It's he is literally fighting to be in the top ten every race at the moment. I think. I think. Like, yes, obviously there were mitigating circumstances to some degree with the conditions and people were struggling. But I think you just have to look at how easily Max got through the field when he after his stops when he was kind of because it, it basically overtakes that technically were for position, but. People were a bit out of kilter in terms of um, out of sync. Right? Yeah, out of sync. So like there were people that hadn't stopped yet, but 
when you compare the way that Max just carved through people to the way that I feel like Sergio got stuck behind, it was either Bottas or Joe, it was one of the Alfa Romeos, mm-hmm. and he felt like he was behind him for like four or five laps. Yeah. It's like that think- wasn't just a they're on fresher tyres, vice versa. Like that was just he didn't have the pace to, to beat yeah. an Alfa Romeo. I actually <clears> think in this instance, a better comparison is Russell because Russell obviously was sent to the, you know, immediately yeah, yeah. started the race, sent to the back of the grid more or less. And Russell was just doing such a better job of getting through the field than what yeah. Perez was. And whether that's to do with, you know, Russell having a better car for those conditions comparatively to what whatever Perez has got, I don't know. But Russell was clearly a much faster driver than the than Perez in the Red Bull. Yeah. At that, at, well, throughout the entire race, and that's not a superior car to to the Red Bull across the season. That's that the Red Bull is a much <laughs> much faster car. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? I wonder how. I wonder what what is going wrong. Is it setup? Is it just the parts are not coming to that car? Maybe they're trying to save money and just giving one one car all the parts i don't know i think with uh, the dominance like that they'd already had though, there's, yeah, yeah. there's no need yeah. though. like the i mean yes obviously the championships only officially been finished this weekend but how long has he been far enough in front <laughs> it's been of finished someone from another team like there's yeah. there's no there's no reason to like got to push this to Max first, got to push this. There's just no need for it. If anything, it should have been, we've got to push this to Sergio first to keep him away from the rest and get a one too. Like if anything, it should be the other way around. I'm sure there's (laughs) something in Max's contract that gets him all the bits. I know, know, but like when you think about it from a team level, if if there's any kind of favoritism for where the parts are going, in theory, that's where you'd go as a team boss, providing the driver's contract doesn't restrict that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, if if second place in the championship is as important to them as what Christian Horner says it is, then yeah, you'd think that they'd be they'd just throw everything behind Sergio Perez yeah. now, surely, to get get him where he needs to be. Yeah. But obviously, I mean, we know from last year that Verstappen isn't gonna help Perez get anywhere, is he? He's not gonna. No. You know, when you look at Sao Paulo last year. Yeah, where there was a simple opportunity for him to just yeah. let Perez through and make make second place less dicey for him, and he just didn't. There was that whole even though the team of, told him to. Yeah, the, the whole debacle thing, of he like didn't a, do it for me. Uh, there was all that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. All, all the well, it was the the Monaco, Monaco thing, wasn't qualifying it? Yeah. Thing, yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, whatever that was. Where? where <laughs> well, let's not get into that. Yeah, let's not. Um, um, yeah. Should we move on to Mercedes? Yes. Yeah. As I said, they came together turn one, um, initially blamed each other, but Hamilton's held his hands up since and said, yeah, that was on me, which it was. Yeah, weird bit of social media <laughs> yeah. of them hugging. <laughs> yeah, that didn't seem forced in the slightest, did <laughs> no, it? No, it didn't, did it? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty a pretty silly mistake from a driver of Hamilton's calibre, really. Like, it's not like... It's, it was another three wide thing, but like, whereas the Ocon Hawkenberg Perez thing, like, you could legitimately give Ocon the excuse of not knowing he was three wide. Whereas this is turn one, Hamilton <laughs> has just seen where the two drives in front of him have gone. Like, well, he, he was never like, going to work. He dove round the outside of him. Like, he was, he was only just alongside of him at the point he decided to just send it in. 
Like, why you thought he could turn in that far, I have no idea. But that's a combination of how much speed he'd carried in. Like, he needed to start making a turn in. Like, I, I don't know what he was well, thinking. but I think he just put his car in the wrong place. I think he had so much grip uh, that he just probably used a he didn't have to turn in that he didn't have to cut, no, cut in exactly. that close to try and no. chop them you know there was no, absolutely no need for it i think he, there was probably an element of pushing too hard red mist almost kind of thing because he'd been on the radio moments before that before the start of the race saying i'm a sitting duck here on these tires. Yeah. there was only a couple of them on the soft tires and he would have been in within like five laps i think for yeah. another set for a set of mediums but yeah it's it, it is a uncharacteristic mistake that it he's is. made he, he's basically done a vettel and just turned in to expected the cars on the inside that he's gone by to disappear behind to go yeah. behind him and uh, that's not how physics works they simply so, don't in the real world so yeah he um yeah lost a lost a wheel didn't he as well in the process mm-hmm. and, well lost a tire yeah, and tire. half a wheel in the process uh, he also got himself a 25 euro fine and a reprimand for crossing the live racetrack to get back to the pit lane afterwards which was Another pretty silly lapse of judgment on his part. Pretty late. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot to him, but... I mean, yeah. he probably got also paid more than 25k silly. to take half of turn one, so I'm sure that doesn't bother him. <laughs> That's a good point. He probably got paid more to get that far around the circuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, George Russell, he had a bit of like a cameo in the lead of the sprint race until his soft tyres said nope and he ended up dropping back. Um, and then, yeah, in the Grand Prix, dropped all the way to the back after that turn one thing, but really good comeback drive from him to finish four. Um, I've got a theory about George Russell. He's George Russell's absolute like peak performance in a Formula One car only appears when he's had some kind of setback. Like yeah. you think about his first <laughs> race from Mercedes in um, <laughs> yeah, like his very first Mercedes race in Bahrain and he had all those like setbacks and then like he came back and was just driving like an absolute demon and mm-hmm. still nearly won the race a second time. And he was the same this time. It's like, oh, to the back am I? I'll show you all. And he just like yeah. drove like an absolute I monster mean, for it. You can say the same for quite a few of them. Like, like Hamilton's had some amazing drives after like picking up penalties or having to have a get, you know, like those kind of things that send him to uh, Yeah, back. like Brazil a couple but, of years ago. Yeah, Verstappen's done similar things in the past. Like, even Vettel has to a degree where he had to race from the back to win a world championship. Like, there, there is something about the, right, I'm back here, I've got to get my head down and do it, that just, I don't know, it switches to like... It's like, that. I'll show you. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that shows you that calibre. You see, like, that's the difference in the calibre between the good drivers and the potential great drivers is like they're the kind of people that can take that kind of adversity start at the back and somehow end up where they do like podiums and even wins on odd occasions and then you get yeah. Perez yeah. who barely gets the 10th in comparison yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, a good, <clears throat> it's a very good point very yeah good point. um let's talk about Lance Stroll so he failed to get of Q1 again. It's four races in a row now. Mm. And he sort of had what you can only really describe as a bit of a tantrum. Like he threw his wheel away and then he was seen like shoving one of his trainers out of the way um, when they were trying to get him to go to the interviews and stuff. Then he did his interview and he was giving like 
one or two word answers to stuff and like you know these are high performing athletes they're running on adrenaline yeah they're gonna get upset when things don't go well for them but the guy looks a bit broken to me like he's yeah, really he's, not he's in not a good happy. place i think one of the big differences like you see people get in these kind of moods these just like really down places generally speaking though i would say for the most part whatever's happened is out of their control like for the most part it's that like somebody's hit them and taken them out something's gone wrong with the car so on. like alonso when when he's gone through his the car was underperforming um like hamilton's gone through phases where the car's failed on him occasionally and he's he's had similar sort of reactions like i don't know going all the way back to schumacher the time schumacher nearly lost his proverbial with Coulthard. it was because Coulthard went uh, Coulthard was like in, invisible to him and he drove into like these like weird circumstances this is like it's all in stroll's own hands for his performance the car is clearly capable of far better and there's no one that can get better out of it like and improve that situation other than himself so to be taking it out on those around him i don't see i don't see like how he has the right essentially to not even like I'm like obviously what he did over the weekend was not acceptable, but even to just be like in general be taking it out on the team, like sort of verbally and with the attitude and stuff, like it's in his hands. Alonso's showing that the car is, yeah, fair enough. It's not where it was at the start of the season, but it's still more than capable of finishing solidly in the points and picking up points. So what is what is Stroll doing in it? Like what is he doing? It- I don't, it's hard not to feel like he's reached a point where he's kind of he can see like the peak of his F one career. Like he can't get close to Alonso. He's struggling to get out of Q one. Even like it, I, I don't know if he sees where he even goes from here. And and he can't help that all the media recently. If it's not been talking about Logan Sargent's seat, it's been talking about his seat. Um, yeah, yeah. The guy's it's in a bad place, it's, and it's a tricky spot to be in, isn't it? Something's got to give, and you just have to wonder how long the team and his dad are going to persist with. I suppose. Well, I think if you're getting out of the car, pushing people around, then probably not very long. Even if your dad yeah. is the is the owner of the team, I think that's the answer to that. One. But, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like any other team, that just wouldn't fly in the slightest, and you know. That feels, if you want to see an example of nepotism, like for him to be able to do that and kind of, you know, he has said that they're best buddies and everything's fine, but it's, uh, I don't think the aggressor gets to say that everything's fine after the (laughs) event. (laughs) Anyway. Not cool. um, Last couple of little bits to mention. Got to mention Alfa Romeo, who've kind of finally managed to actually put a normal race together since they got their upgrades (laughs) and it went quite well for them. Uh, Boas yeah. got through to the top 10 in qualifying and finished eighth. Um, Joe had a great race. He got went from 19th to 9th um, for a double points finish for them. So happy days there. Yeah. Um, and then Williams scored their first sprint points. Um, didn't get any points in the race, though Albon kind of faded as it went on. Although Albon did become the first Williams driver to lead a race in eight years, <laughs> which is uh, a nice little stat. Yeah, um but yeah, that's kind of, I think, 
enough to talk about for now from that very strange race other than to do a panful of awards. Yeah, let's, go. let's let's look at driver of the day first. I think there's quite a few nominations for this. Um, so, I mean, the the obvious one I think for most people is going to be Piastri. He won the official vote. Um, Russell, as we've already talked about, coming from all the way at the back after the collision and having to pit earlier than um, most. Um, that was, I think, he was third. Was he? Is he the second or third? Wasn't it? was him. Piastri and Norris in the official top three. I can't remember which way around uh, Norris and Russell were, to be fair. Um, A lot of people in chat really want Guan Yu Zhou to be mentioned because of um, the driver that we've literally just spoke about, again, Uh coming from from the back to uh, to finishing the points. Uh, And then kind of on the cusp of it all, uh, we've got Norris as well with, with, again, a solid drive. Like, what was his starting position? Sixth, I think. yeah. And it- my vote goes to Norris. I think Norris is is my favourite. He started. He was faster than his teammate by the end of the race, having worked his way through up to, you know, up to third position and should have been second really. So yeah, I'm going to go Norris. Chris, um, is it lame of me just to suggest giving drive of the day to all of them for yeah. even <laughs> getting through that race? I mean, um. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to force me to pick one, I think I'm going to go for Russell. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, Ooh, and then, then this, vote, Tom, this just makes it... That, well, I was going to go with Piastri because I think to do what he did in his rookie season and, and <laughs> compete like he did is a sign of something brilliant to come. So I think tie-in for the three that were in the running for the top three officially is probably about Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, let's talk about moves of the day. There are there a fair few, like I said, uh, up at the top of the show. I think we've got a decent race. There's more moves than I'd have expected to see here. Um, so we've got um, Russell taking the lead for the sprint. Um, we've also got basically every move he put up the inside of everyone <laughs> into turn three, like just as a collective. That was probably going to be my suggestion personally. Uh, and we've got Hulkenberg around the outside of Sonoda on turn one, in turn one. There was a yeah, similar a thing one. from Norris uh, going around the outside of, it must have been Leclerc, it was one of the Ferraris and the yeah, other one didn't start. Um, so, yeah, quite a few mentions for that. Um, anything you want to add to that, Chris, or any any one of those in particular you want to single out? I think I think Russell's move on Piastri in the sprint to take the lead is probably my favourite. That was a proper, like, out-of-nowhere dive bomb kind of move. I really yeah. like that one. I think um, I think Russell into turn three on everyone. Yeah, that, it's like I said a minute ago. That was that was kind of going to be my suggestion for this. So it's getting a double vote. It is going to be the winner on this one. Either way, double, it's double. Russell. It is a double. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Russell either way. Uh, and then the last award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Sports I mean, choice. What the f- are we oh. doing here? We'll have it. We'll have two. We'll There's have so many options. We had two jingles. <laughs> Don't even know what happened then. Right, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, there's so many. So many. So many to go through. Um, rattle through let's rattle through these quick as we can. I mean, all right, the list The list we've somehow narrowed it down to is a track that has no grip yet also destroys tyres, um, changing the rules within four hours of the race starting, champagne having no fizz. I mean, it was rose water, <laughs> but still. Um, 51 track limit violations during the whole race uh, the, and the sheer number of penalties that came from it. 
Piestri having a lap deleted whilst he was being interviewed after qualifying. Um, and then um, just TV director missing everything because there was so much going on. And then, oh, yeah, Alonso's rejoined. Just the way he kept his foot in after running wide through the gravel and basically nearly T-bone into the side of, I think it was Gasly. It was one of the Alpines, well, wasn't it? I don't think it was gravel. I think it was just so dusty off surface. Yeah, it was. It looks, oh, like, yeah, it looks like they're going looks through like gravel, gravel but it's but... all tarmac. Yeah, yeah, it's all just... Because yeah. that was what's funny about it, is it. He was on, like, a kind of escape road, but he sort of got back on the escape road tarmac and then... Punched it. Took <laughs> the corner back onto the circuit like it was a normal corner and took yeah. a racing line on a bit of track that wasn't raced on, like... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Piastri finding out he'd had his lap deleted while he was being interviewed was very funny. I think I'm going to pick that one. I mean, considering as well that moments before that, the the entire broadcast team were confused about why they were talking to Oscar and not Lando. They were expecting to be talking to Lando, who just had his lap deleted. And the question was, okay, Oscar, I'm not sure why I'm talking to you instead of Lando, but <laughs> let's go with that. And he was like, I think he's had his lap deleted. He's gone. And I was, oh, I tell you, but you've just had your lap deleted. Bye. Like, that was pretty WTF that it took so long. But um, a a 10-car field at that point, bear in mind, one of which had decided not to run because he was so clearly on pole. 10 cars, so nine technically. And it took them that long to decide those two had made a violation. So... It somehow crept up there. That now you've brought you brought all those memories back to me from Friday night. TV director missing everything. It gets one of my votes, but my main vote is just, I think like I prefer the comp. Given this weekend was just so sketch in so many ways, I think I want to give it to a comedy one. So I'm like no fizz in the champagne. It's, well, no, it's not champagne. <laughs> it's rose water. But Lando you could desperately see, like, trying to make yeah. it, go. and you could see <laughs> the the kind of jokes they were making on the stage as well as they were doing. It, which, yeah, which yeah. tickled me somewhat. So yeah, I think I'm going to go for that. Yeah, that one was very good. There you go. Then, if if Chris is saying that too, that's a, that's a winner, um, right? Yeah. I'm going to very quickly rattle through some mentions for our predictions because we've got three people who managed almost to get a five out of five. Uh, they got wow. four point five. They were unlucky in the sense that they had Sargent as first DNF, um, and nobody else had Hamilton, so they got half a point there. Um, uh, to be fair, there was quite a lot of people who did that. These were just the only three people that got the other four things right at the same time. So you got Andrew Harrop, uh, Dan Mutton, and Chris Matthews all got four and a half points, so congrats to you guys. And then in terms of the, the championship overall, we've got Effortlessly at the top on 38.5, uh, and Dagan Dushami uh, on 36.5 in second, and James Hunt in third on 36. Uh, quick shout out to Carder04, who got 1,020 points to lead grid rival this week, and Effortlessly sits at the top of that championship as well. 17,108. And then in the official F1 fantasy, we've got Pewis Hamilton, 44, and another Rick in the Wall, who both scored an identical 443 <laughs> points. And the Ricky Bobby Racing School is leading the way there with 5,061 <laughs> points. Oh, it's a good job I can get through those names, really isn't it? Good. It's a good job I can get through them. Right. Inbox, fellas. Okay, let's do it. Keep me saying now. Stay, stay up. <laughs> I'll take the first one. Um, This was from Jay Alexander. It says, with Ocon, Hulkenberg and Perez getting into a Fuster Cluck in the sprint race, 
and Hamilton and Russell coming together, do you think that F1 needs to consider adopting the spotter system from Indy and NASCAR or something similar to help prevent such incidents? I think turn one is turn one. It's just... Yeah, turn one's going to happen. And as well at at NASCAR and in um, IndyCar, that usually they have the spotters mainly at oval circuits. I don't think they have them at regular circuits, right? Yeah. They they yes, still they do like do, but it's not as much of a thing. Um, yeah. And in an instant like the Ocon Hawkeberg Perez thing, I don't know if a spotter would be able to tell Ocon what was going on fast enough exactly. for that to really make a difference. Anyway, I think it's the same in the Hamilton one as well. I think it all happened. That all happened so fast, especially yeah. in yeah. these cars. Like yeah, completely. You know, these races are much more. More, they're almost more dynamic. A lot more can happen a lot faster, I think, in these races, as silly as yeah. that sounds. Because mm-hmm. even even in the IndyCar, I think a lot of the time, even if you do have a spotter in IndyCar, you still see loads of crashes. You still see loads of crashes yeah. in NASCAR as well, even with the spotters. So I'm not sure how much difference yeah. they make. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next from Charlotte Taylor. Why did Mercedes start Lewis on the softs? To me, there was no benefit to that. He was never going to beat Max. As soon as we knew Lewis on the softs, I knew the Mercedes would collide in the first corner. Wow. Do you, do you um, want, she should have do you told Mercedes shortest, Do you want the shortest, simplest answer to that? Yes. Yeah. He was pretty much the only person on the grid that didn't have tyres to make the, the strategy yeah. work. It was... It was ah limitation of what he had left and how many laps they could do basically oh wow that's yeah. rubbish isn't it so one of the problems with changing the rules halfway through well even halfway through yeah. the weekend right before the last part of the weekend is yeah. people haven't prepared their tires for it yeah that was the short version anyway uh Paula duck says uh hey man if liam lawson performs great in the next few races do you think he could replace danny rick full-time Personally, I'd much rather have uh, Liam Lawson in the car over Danny Rick. I can't see why Red Bull would keep Danny Rick besides for merchandise or fan publicity. Liam is the future. Danny is the past. Wow. Oh, whoa. Hot take Oof. from, from Hot Holland. takes. Um, I mean, I think Liam Lawson is likely to replace Danny Rick only in as much as Danny Rick won't be at that team anymore for reasons that Stu yeah. brought up earlier <laughs> in the podcast. Yeah. I think so. I've, I've, it's starting to look like the rest of this season is going to be Sonoda and Ricardo um, fighting over who gets the Red Bull seat, I think is the way things are starting to look. Um, it's starting to look very good for Liam Lawson being on the grid next year. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I would say yeah. so. That's the most polite way of putting it (laughs) yeah uh the next one is from peter willington he says why was the stint 18 laps for all compounds of i wondered this as well why was the stint only a stint limit 18 laps for all compounds of tire surely it defeats the point of safety to let them use a soft for 18 laps if that was the limit for the hard or alternatively the hard could have gone much longer right yeah like so the the short version is that the problem they were having with the tires wasn't to do with compound wear it was to do with the physical construction of the tire so the compound didn't really make a difference it was to do with the sidewalls and the corners okay. being so affected it can only take so many hits of yeah. curve is that more what it was which to explain if, why they that was more like it, yeah yeah you could have the it, hardest compound in the world and you'd probably still have the same problem because it's to do with just the way the tires are put yeah. together 
Yeah. So it's not necessarily the rubber; it's the canvas underneath that can't take keep taking the yeah. repeated in, impacts because they're all going to have seems the same like. canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, a couple of related questions here. First one from Lance Stroll, back of the grid burner account. Um, considering <laughs> Aston Martin has now entered World Endurance Championship, uh, can we expect them to have the same success as Ferrari? And would any soon-to-be former F1 drivers be interested <laughs> in that seat? And related, Darth Kilowog Sage, I'd love an explanation of how Adrian Newey developed an endurance car for Aston Martin while he's with Red Bull. Can you simply rent Adrian Newey to make you a non-F1 car? So this is, yeah, Aston. I was just going to say, that started whilst Aston were a sponsor of Red Bull, though, didn't it? That yeah. project. It did, yeah. This is the Aston Martin Valkyrie, which is going to be entering the hypercar class. Um, but yeah, that was developed in conjunction with Red Bull when they were the sponsor. Um, so that's why. Um, will they have the same success as Ferrari? I don't see why not. Aston Martin have got a pretty long history of um, endurance cars in GT class. Um, They've won at Le Mans in GT class. Yeah. Yeah. And if Adrian years. Newey's helped them develop a hypercar, I don't see any reason why it won't be a very good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by the former F1 drivers thing, I assume that's alluding to maybe a way to sidestep Lance out of Formula One. I can see that happening. I can see that happening. He's the only it's a one nice kind of soft landing in for him. team as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't put him in for the first hint. Or the last one. <laughs> or any of the ones in the middle. Or the middle one, if you can avoid it. Oh, my God. Well, that, that descended into yeah. very quickly, didn't it? Should Sorry, Lance. Just realised that's your better account, yeah. Uh, I'll do the last one and move on. Um, Michelle says, how worried does Lando need to be of Oscar passing him at, as the team number one? Well, he, he was quicker, so I don't think he needs to be too worried. I think he just needs to get a little bit better in qualifying and just mm-hmm. get over his little hump of sort of performances yeah. in quality. And then I think, yeah. I think they're very, very, very evenly matched, those two. But if I was Lando, I wouldn't be too worried just yet. I would say that the main thing he probably needs to do is stop being quite so hard on himself on weekends like what we've just had. Because he proved on the circuit that there can be slight mistakes in qualifying, but he's got the goods to recover from that. And I'm going to correct myself because earlier I said that he started sixth, but he started 10th, didn't he? It was Piastri in sixth. Yes, because so, he had both his laps deleted. Yeah, so he, he was 10th overall on the grid. So, like, he's proven that he can fight through that field with a decent caliber car and get results. So, yeah. yeah, yeah it, But he it is might... feeling the pressure, though. <laughs> yeah, 100% he he's feeling something. But I think that... He just needs to not be like, yeah, too hard on himself because it got very sort of like self-negative very quickly. Like nothing wrong with reevaluating the situation and, and sort of telling yourself, I need to be better. Like, you know, running two laps out of bounds and, and getting them deleted is not good for consistency. But to be like saying all this, I'm this, I'm that. Like I can't say the words because we try and stay... <laughs> bleep free but like the things he was saying about himself it's just i want him to stay okay because like that's how you can sort of end up in a land stroll spiral where you just never recover <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah else, he definitely else? still i just said he definitely still has the an amount of race pace over piastri at the moment um i think the fact that mclaren keep asking them not to race each other if if 
if Landau's going to keep qualifying behind Oscar, that is maybe going to bubble over mm. at some point. I think the best thing for McLaren is going to be if Lando gets his qualifying together and they are just on the track the way around they need to be in terms of race pace. <laughs> yeah. The best well, I mean, bit they of can that... Always it they can manage it with pit stops and things. Yeah, True, but you still generally end up setting in a, race, a driver by doing in, that. In a race not like this one, you can manage it with pit stops. But yeah, my favourite part well, of all yeah. that was... Well, I'm fascinated at the minute, maybe like, and you know, we've got a gap to maintain here. Maybe you should let me through and, and just, you know, see if I can get away. And they were like, yeah, but George is due to pit. We think he's going to put the softs on. He, he, he's probably going to be a threat. So we need to be mindful of that. And Lando's response was literally, yeah, exactly. So why let, like, why let me be stuck let here? Me let me that. get away from yeah. him. <laughs> I mean, luckily it never came to anything, but it, this it is was the point a, I'm trying to make. Yeah. Another, um, another thing to say to Lando's credit as well is his fitness is on another yeah. level. Of all the drivers that looked really, really rough at the end of that race, yeah. he looked the least rough of all of them. He looked like he was absolutely, he could look he like he, he did actually another 10 laps. Yeah. Um, I doubt he could have done another 10 laps, but he said he looked <laughs> like he could have done. So, yeah. yeah. Um, credit to Lando for that yeah yeah and that wraps up this week so uh yeah thank you to everyone who's joined us uh if you've joined us here on youtube please do remember to like share and subscribe um if you want to get involved with our discord and join the recordings live head to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid where there's info on how to join us there and then if you want to just contact us in general you can do so by finding us on twitter x uh, Facebook and Instagram and then of course head to the website at backofthegrid.com where there's a contact us form and uh, you can also register for all the predictions leagues and the fantasy leagues on there as well so do that too uh, that is everything from us so we'll be back next time around to look ahead to the stint in the Americas and uh, yeah we'll see you then goodbye everyone bye, bye.